thank you. Man, David, thank you so much. Thank you. I don't know, like, how do you come down from that? That was like, I feel like, I always wanted to be a hype man. Like, my dream was not to be a pastor. My dream was to, like, open up and be a hype man for, like, a rapper. That's what I really wanted to do. God was like, you're going to do that, but you're going to do it in church. I'm like, all right, cool, great. Hey, happy Mother's Day. Shout out to all the moms. I'm not even going to try to cover every mother in this room because that would be a really big job, but... Are there any first-time moms here? Sherry Fogel, happy first Mother's Day. Yes, okay, being a mom is a full-time job. Don't let anybody tell you different. So if you are a stay-at-home mom, I just wanna shout you out and say, you are doing a full-time job. Uh, And if you have a job on top of your full-time job, bless you, you have two full-time jobs, and Lord have mercy. If you are a working mother who has two jobs and you're carrying your two full-time jobs plus a full-time job, Lord, I'm just praying for you. I am praying for you and praying the best, but shout out to all the moms. Bless you, and I just, I'm so grateful to be here with you guys on Mother's Day, and um, I want to shout out my husband real quick because speaking of Mother's Day, my husband let me go see my mom a couple weeks ago for her 70th birthday, so give it up for my husband. But this is kind of how it went. So I left him. I left you for what, like four or five days? And like day one, I get a text and it's like, crushing it. Kids got out of the door at 7.25 this morning. Um, they listened. They got their own clothes on. They made their own breakfast. Boom, crushed it. Day two, crushing it. Got to practice 25 minutes early. Found a prime parking space. Crushing it. Boom, early to practice. Day three, crushing it. We're at the arcade. I'm feeding them pizza. We're having the time of our lives. Boom. So I text him back and I said, hey, man. You're about to have my job when I get back because you're crushing it so much and you want to brag. Just take my job. I get in the next text, I get back, is not bragging. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you know, we're doing great. Now he got scared. That's what really happened. Um, so, anyway, if you're new here, my name's Christina Lowe, and contrary to popular belief, I was here first. Um, yeah, so <laughs> there was a time when people would say, oh, you're Christina's boyfriend. You're the one Christina's dating. And the tables turned pretty quickly when he came on staff. And then it became, oh, you're Julian's wife. <laughs> or a lot of we were Mother's Day. Oh, you're Bailey and Dallas's mom. Yes, but I have a first name. It's Christina. And it's very nice to meet you. If I haven't met you yet, I'll meet you at some point. All right. The title of my message today is called Stop the Wandering. Everybody say, Stop the Wandering. Now, I'm a rule follower, so we're going to read from the Old Testament today. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 4. I love me some Old Testament. We're going to read from the NIV version, and it goes like this. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land of the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. Do not add to it what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Pure. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations 
who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way that the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. I wanna pray. Father, I thank you so much just for your word today. God, I thank you that your word is living. It is transformative, God, and it's personal. And I just thank you, God, that you're gonna speak something to every single person in this room, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, now before we get into that passage, um, I want to give a little bit of context. So last week we had Pastor Andrew Damasio, and one of the things he said about when you're reading the Bible, the question, one of the worst questions that you can ask is, what does this scripture mean to me? The biblical context when you're reading the Bible is, what was God saying to them? What did it mean to them? And then if it meant something to them, then that very same thing should mean something to me. And a lot of times we make the Bible so personal that we forget that this word was written to a people inside of a certain context and that out of that, we're supposed to apply that thing to our life. So here's some context. Going back to Exodus, the people were wandering. They were, Moses was trying to lead them into the promised land. You know, and what's funny is I always thought it was the promised land, like P-R-O-M-I-S-E, but it's actually the promised land. God is so big that it's already promised. It's past tense for him. So what's in our future is already done. God said it's already done. And I believe, you know, that Julian's been talking a lot about the seven years of favor. And I really believe that God has so much for us. But I think some of us are still in a season of wandering. And the Israelites were wandering for 40 years. And this journey was only supposed to take 11 years days, but they wandered because they didn't believe and they disobeyed. So I just want to talk about some of the things that God did and some things that I think that if you're in a season of wandering, I've definitely been in a season of wandering, that can help us stop the wandering and get to all that God has for us quicker. Amen? All right. So one of the things that God did for them in the wilderness was he used a guy named Moses. And Moses said in Exodus 4.10, <laughs> you would think Moses would be pretty confident, right? Does everybody kind of know who Moses is? Here's a guy who has a legacy 3,000 years after doing what he did. We all know his name. Even if you're not a believer, I think most people would know the name of Moses. But Moses said in Exodus 4.10 to the Lord, oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. And God's response was, but who made your mouth? God's immediate rebuttal but was, who made your mouth? And I can tell you that I've disqualified myself a lot, even from getting up here. It's like, man, but I didn't go to seminary. God's like, yeah, but you married a Bible scholar. Yes. But I say, but God, I, I wish I had the gifts that I see certain people carry. It's like, but you do, I made you, I gave you that gift and my gift is irrevocable, you have that gift. And I see people in church do this all the time. You know, 
even simple things. We talk about being connected. We talk about being generous. We talk about different things in our church. And I hear people say, man, I could never lead a Bible study. You have no idea where I've come from or what I'm doing. I'll never be a leader like you or like Julian. But that's not what God says. God says he equips those he calls. Some people say, I can't get connected. That church is too big. I come into church. I come in the back. I leave out the back. But God says that he'll put you in a family. He says he puts the lonely in families. That's his, that's, that's what he wants for us. We talk about being generous and people will say all the time, I can't be generous. I have just enough money for my bills. I have just enough for today. And God said in Deuteronomy 2.7, while they were in the wilderness, in the 40 years I've been with you, you have lacked nothing. We lack nothing, but yet we constantly disqualify ourselves. I want to show you something. In doing my, my study, I found out that God did 40-something miracles through Moses, this guy who did not believe that he was qualified, and I made a list. You want to hear it? Okay, here it go. Moses turned a rod into a serpent. The serpent was transformed into a rod. Moses' hand was turned leprous. Moses' hand was healed of leprosy. The rod was turned into a serpent. The serpent was turned into a rod. Moses' staff swallowed the magician's staff. The Nile River was changed into blood. First plague, he created frogs. Second plague, he caused the frogs to die. He converted the dust to lice. Third plague, he created flies. Fourth plague, he made Goshen exempt from flies. He removed the flies from Egypt. The murine disease was imposed on the Egyptian flock. Fifth plague, I could keep reading, but you know what I noticed in there, he gave Moses the authority to send a plague. That's some scary authority. That's a lot of authority. Here's a guy who disqualified himself and God says, no, you go lead that whole people out of slavery, out of Egypt, into the promised land. And while you're doing it, I'm going to perform so many miracles through you and I'm going to give you authority. And I just believe that God has so much for us. And I believe that if there are just some people in this room, that if we would stop disqualifying ourselves, if you would just put down whatever reason that you have that disqualifies you from everything you think that God is telling you that he's promised you, remember it's done, then I really believe we're gonna go into this seven years of favor faster than it would be otherwise. So let's stop the wandering. The second thing that God did for them in the wilderness is that he guided them with his presence. In Exodus 13, 21, it says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. This wasn't just an ethereal cloud. This was God's manifest presence. This was him literally surrounding them, with them. The cloud was so thick that they could not see too far ahead of them. Anybody else a staircase person? There's a, there's a scripture in the Bible that I don't love so much. It says that God is a lamp to our feet. I'm like, Lord, can you be a floodlight to my staircase? Like, I want to know the whole plan. I don't want to have to be in God's presence so thick that I can't see past the next step. It is so uncomfortable for me. And I really believe it's uncomfortable for a lot of us. But that's what God does. And he didn't lead them to where they wanted to go. He led them to where he wanted them to go. 
And why does he do that? Because he sees everything. He sees the things we don't see. He didn't even take them on the direct path to get to the promised land. He took them in a roundabout way because he saw the enemies that would be surrounding them if they took the direct path. So sometimes in God's presence, he'll take us a little bit of a roundabout way and it's not to delay the thing, it's to make sure that we are ready and that we don't get hurt. He's so good, y'all. Okay, one more thing. I'm just gonna get through my points because I know some people have brunch to go to. I get it. But um, another thing that God did was God gave them manna from heaven. Now, the Israelites had just come out of slavery and you would think that they would be happy to be coming out of slavery, that they wouldn't wanna go back to that. But in, in the scripture before God provides their manna, their daily bread, they're complaining. Man, we're starving, God. Remember back there when we were in Egypt? Man, we had meat, we had pots of meat, we had all we could eat. They were more focused on the fact that they had food for their bellies than they did that they were in slavery. They were in literal bondage. Do you have, do you have something in your life? I, I know I have things in my life where I can focus on the fact that, I can focus on this little thing over here that keeps me in bondage rather than seeing the thing that God wants to lead me to, to take me out of that bondage and to really help me be all that I can be. And this was a literal miracle. But here's what God did. He didn't give them so much bread. Now he was going to, but in the wilderness, he gave them their daily bread. He gave them enough for today. I wonder if we could be satisfied with having just enough for today. You know, for me, I'm praying all the time, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. And, and to be honest, sometimes, especially in motherhood, as we're talking about Mother's Day, there are moments with my children sometimes where I'm just like, Lord, give me my daily bread. <laughs> in this moment, I need you. In this moment, I don't even care about tomorrow. I just need you in this moment when they're acting a fool, when I wanna lose my salvation. I just need your daily bread. And I think that if we can get to a place where we can just be okay with having the daily bread that God wants to give us, that that can actually help us stop the wandering. You know, later Jesus would say that he was actually the bread of heaven. Everything that Jesus did in the Bible, he was forecasting the coming of the Savior. And I love that so much because I, even in our own lives, I think there are things that happen where he is, he's just showing us that he's always been there. Here's circumstances where he's like, I've always been there, but I'm about to do a new thing. And so in John 6, 51, he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And bread to us today is not this. Bread is money. Bread is going to get that career. Bread is going to achieve your goals. But God is saying, I am the bread of life. If we don't, if, if we don't, the, the presence of God is the most wonderful place to be. And there's nowhere that is worth going to if the presence of God and the bread of God is not there. I've heard too many stories like living in Hollywood. It's been proven time and time again that you have people that seemingly have everything that they want and yet they're committing suicide. They're unhappy. So it's not true. This thing that there's another bread out there that's gonna help us and make us fulfilled is not true. 
And I just believe that if we just pray, God, give us this daily bread. Are we okay with just having our daily bread? That we could stop the wandering. Now, number four, the fourth thing God did, and this is scary. We're going to spend a little time on this. Scary in a good way is that he waited for the unbelieving generation to die off. Numbers 26, 65 says this, for the Lord had those, had told those Israelites they would surely die in the wilderness and not one of them was left except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. Did I say that right? Jephunneh? It's fine. And Joshua, son of Nun. So here's what happened. They're about to enter the promised land. And God tells Moses, go send some of the Israelites in to explore the land. That's all God said. He said, tell them to go explore the land. Anybody a detailed person here? This is where Moses gets tripped up. I get lost in the weeds, y'all. I get lost in the details. The details sometimes cause me to not move forward. Sometimes the details cause me to be stuck. And here's what happened. God says, go get a couple of Israelites to explore the promised land. Now, when I think of explore, I think of an adventure. This sounds like fun. Let's go explore. Let's go see what we can do. Let's go have some fun activities. That's what God said. Go explore. But by the time Moses told them what to do, this is what Moses said. He said in Numbers 13, this is so funny. He said, go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak. God ain't ask you to do that, Moses. He said, go explore the land. <laughs> he said, strong or weak, few or many. God didn't ask you to count. God didn't ask you to see if there was an army over there. He just said, go explore the land. What kind of land do they live in? Moses told them. Is it good? Is it bad? This is the problem with details. God says, explore the land. We say, oh, is it going to be scary? Is it going to be too hard? Is it going to be too much for me? Am I qualified? Oh my God. Oh my God. And Moses went wrong by getting in the weeds of the details. He asked too many questions. Does anybody else ask too many questions? <laughs> Thank you. I'm not alone. I ask a lot of questions. I need a lot of clarity and a lot of clarification. But sometimes what happens, and this is what happened to the 12 spies. They go in. And they go, man, and they come back to Moses and they, everybody basically says, it's all God said it would be. The land is flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are huge. The fruit is plentiful. Everything's so amazing. And all of them except two, Joshua and Caleb said, man, but there's giants out there and I don't think we can defeat them. This seems impossible. And all of their doubt and unbelief comes out. And God said, I can't let y'all go there. You're going to die. Or you already think you're going to die. I told you what was it. I promised you this land. I got this. I got this. I said it's possible. And so did Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua had so much confidence. This is what they said. In verse 30, it says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. He said, ah, stop, 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 stop. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. He was confident 
He knew what the Lord said. He knew what the Lord promised. And I just, I just really think that if we can get to a place where we can just take God at his word, we sing that song, take me, at, take you at your word. That's the danger in singing worship songs sometimes is we say these things and we don't really believe them. I've sung the songs and not really believe them. But Caleb said, certainly we can do this. He took God at his word where God said, go explore it. I will lead you to the land of milk and honey when everybody else is saying, oh man. So God allowed those unbelieving people to die before they entered the promised land. That's a pretty gnarly thought. I wonder if you have anyone in your life that doesn't believe in the thing that God's promised you. Lord, please don't let me be that person. Because what if God is waiting for that person to get out of your life to move you to the next thing? Is there somebody in your life that is not cheering you on in the things that God has for you? And God is waiting for you to let that go so that he can move you forward. Otherwise, welcome to the wilderness. What could have been an 11 day journey is now turning into 40 years. And these people were living a long time. They were living hundreds of years. We got like a cool hundred, I think, if we're real lucky. I don't have 40 years. I don't. I don't think most of us do. But we are a believing church, Oasis. Do you believe that? Let's be believing. God's already said it. He's already prophesied. Julian's been talking about the seven years of favor. And if we believe it, then we have to get out of this season of wandering. We gotta stir up our faith and belief that what God said he's gonna do, he's actually gonna do. All right, let's go back to Deuteronomy 4. So now the wandering stop. They're about to enter the promised land and God says, okay, but don't forget, you made it this far. Anybody ever done that? You've made it, you're right there. You're like right at the door of your opportunity. You're right at the door of the promised land of milk and honey. And all of a sudden you start forgetting. You start becoming insecure. You start doubting. I do it. But it, here's, we'll go back over this verse. It says, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land of the Lord. Anybody want to take possession of the land that's promised to you? Oh, for everybody who didn't clap, I'm going to take yours. Okay, okay, thank you. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Isn't the world trying to add to the word of God right now? Isn't the world trying to subtract from the word of God right now? He says, don't add or subtract from it. We're deconstructing right now. And it's not to shame deconstruction. God will be with you in your deconstructing. But here's what's interesting. We're in the middle of demo heaven right now at our house. We're about to have a couple of bathrooms demoed, uh, can reconstructed, if you will. And I've had contractors in and out of our house, and I would argue that I've never heard a construction or a contractor use the word uh, deconstructing. He doesn't say, okay, on Monday I'm going to come deconstruct that bathroom so that we can reconstruct it. He says, hey, we're going to come in and demo that bathroom. Demo is short for demolish. I think what we have to be careful of is that when, if we're deconstructing, we may actually 
be demolishing some of what God has for us. Because when you deconstruct the laws of God, you deconstruct the promises of God. So we got to be careful that we're not demolishing some of what God has for us. All right, verse three. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor. But all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. If we want to stop wandering, we have to let all other gods go. And sometimes when you think of a God or an idol, you can think about, I know we talk about this all the time, like worshiping crystals and burning sage and all that. Yeah, those things are idols. But you know what else is an idol? Worshiping the career that you think you're supposed to have right now. Worshiping the family you think that you're supposed to have right now. Or the marriage that you're supposed to have right now. Or the kids you're supposed to have right now. Those can be idols for us. And those will keep us in that place of wandering. All that stuff has to go. God says all of the gods must go. Verse five, see, I've taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you're entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this nation is a wise and understanding people. Man, I want God to say that about me as a Christian. Surely... They are a great nation. They're wise and understanding. Sometimes the church isn't so understanding, are we? (laughs) Verse seven, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children. I wanna declare, declarations are so important. Declare, I know we talk, there's a lot of talk about affirmations, but there's something so powerful about a declaration using the word of God. And I wanna declare over us through verse nine, Oasis Church, that if we, Oasis Church will be careful and watch ourselves closely so that we do not forget the things our eyes have seen or let them fade from our hearts as long as we live and we teach them to our children and to their children after them, then we can stop the wandering. Amen? Hey, that's what I got for y'all, but guess what? I wanna pray for us. Um because we've been talking a lot about the favor of God and, and I really, I know that it's Julian's heart and it would be our heart here at Oasis that everybody would be able to step into that season with faith and believing. And I just wanna know, maybe you're in a season of wandering. Maybe you have that person in your life that they're the unbelieving one and maybe God's nudging you about ending a relationship or setting some boundaries or maybe you just don't believe what God's promised you. Maybe you feel like you don't hear his voice. If that's you, could you raise your hand? I just want to pray. I'll raise my hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? 
I know these moments are awkward, but they're so necessary. Being covered in prayer is so necessary. That's what being in this community is about, is so that we can support each other. It's so that we can lift each other up. We can bear each other's burdens. We can pray for each other. But it takes a little bit of courage to put your hand up. I get it. I really believe that God's gonna give a word to somebody as you get in your word, as you read the scriptures, as you go explore this story for yourself. There's so much more to this story and I didn't have time to cover it, but there's so much more in this story. And it's through the the word and the reading of the word and the getting the word in your heart and being able to, for that well to be filled so that when you're having a hard time or when those thoughts of unbelief come in, that you have something to draw from, that God's word would just be able to come up in you to help combat those thoughts or those feelings that might cause you to wander. And I'm believing that there's gonna be a, a... a lot of people, not even a handful, I believe there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna go and explore this story for themselves and God is gonna reveal something to you. And he's gonna reignite your faith about what he's promised to you. So Father, I thank you so much for every person in this room, Father. I thank you, God, that you have already promised something to us. I thank you, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. It's already done, Lord. And I just pray for every person that might be in a season of wandering. God, whatever that thing is today, would you just show them what it is, Lord, right now? And would you help them to have the faith and the belief to be able to take you at your word and move forward in that? And I just pray also, Lord, for people to surround them that are believing all the things that God has for them. That they would have people that would hold their arms up when they can't do it. People that would support them when they're feeling disqualified or unqualified. Lord, we know that as a community that we can do this for one another, God. So I just thank you, Lord, that even right now you're doing a work in someone's heart and that they're gonna walk into the promised land in the amount of time that you ordained and they're not gonna wander. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.